Welcome to episode 163, part two of a three-parter in the build-up to the United States election on November the 3rd. When we first set out to do this, we weren't sure whether we'd have enough material to last for three podcasts. Little did we know. The Don is with me. Hello. Hello. Crazy, eh? Yeah. I mean, I think we presumed... Ah, sure, be, like it's a big enough thing. There's not a huge amount going on aside from COVID. I mean, surely we can stretch three episodes out of it. But I mean, realistically, we should have known. We left you last time in the aftermath of the debate between Donald Trump and Joe Biden. The first and what looks like will be the only debate where Donald Trump behaved like a the imbecile that he is. And we thought, what else could happen? Yeah, I mean... And within days... Trump caught the virus. <laughs> Allegedly. Allegedly. I'm not sure about it. I mean, I don't believe in the conspiracy theories and all that. There'd be a lot of people there to have to cover it up. But I just can't handle the way he went okay. in, was out within two days. His doctor is behaving dodgily and he's miraculously cured, immune, as he says. Mm-hmm. Okay, the one thing we can be absolutely certain of, not just because it's Trump and he has form, but... He is definitely full of shit. It's just which parts are lies. We're absolutely certain of that. Even if he was the greatest person ever, the greatest president ever, even if we didn't just know this bastard is lying. Like Mm. the facts presented to us suggest he has to be bullshitting. I mean, in the immediate aftermath of it coming out that he had COVID, we're kind of watching on social media, like we're all talking about it all around the world. And then we're watching like coverage from the US. And some of the things they're talking about are, the opinions of how it's being handled but I, I, I didn't see any US coverage of the blatant fact that I would put it that within 24 hours of it coming out and it hasn't much changed at least 75% of people think it's absolute bullshit and there's nothing wrong with them and it's completely made up He's that's a, around the world and it, that, that doesn't seem to have been mentioned at all as a possibility like they're, they're linking in with people from Sky News uh, from the UK and all that and there doesn't seem to be anything that the whole world thinks he's just lying about it he doesn't have it Well, I mean, sort of political commentators in the US were querying how this could be torpedoing his whole election because he wants to swerve away from the virus and suddenly he has the virus. Not only himself, half the White House have the virus. And and yet there is a part of him that just is the showman and wants to write the next instalment in the soap opera that that is his election campaign. And what better way than to stage manage? Also, at a time when he was getting huge flack for his stand-by, stand-down white supremacy line in, in the debate. Uh, and he was getting castigated for that and very weak condemnations of it coming from White House press secretaries who also, she also called Mrs. McEnany. Yeah, I mean, like he's, it's not as if he listens to people. He just does whatever the hell he likes, like a bold child. I mean, the idea that, yeah, but would this have been good for him? That doesn't necessarily mean he wouldn't do it. He's a mm. fucking idiot. He's a maniac. And yeah, it was convenient timing when with the standby... <laughs> You know, it was convenient timing. There's also the element that everyone kind of said after the first debate that like, there won't be another debate. It's not going to happen. And that has come to pass where he's now, like, it's now, it's not a Democrat decision. Democrats have said they'll follow the rules. But the Election Commission, I'm yeah. not sure they, non-partisan, um, have said they're not willing to put on a debate that that's not uh, social distance, so like through Zoom or whatever. And... Uh, Donald Trump said, nope, I'm not doing it. So instead, what I'm going to do is I'm going to have a big rat liquor rally and have everybody around while I cough and sneeze at them and give them a big kiss. And you're like, okay, Grant, so this is what you wanted. You're, you're running away and you're being a big chicken shit about it. But long story short, you don't want to do another debate. Okay, 
say so then. If he did have it, the one thing we know is that he definitely fucking had it before he went to that debate. Yeah. If he had it and he was so sick that he was brought to hospital on the Friday and he was out by what, Sunday night, Monday, it's kind of strange because the the time difference puts us off here. But so he was out within a couple of days. There was a lot of opinion that the reason they waited for a particular time on Friday was to save the markets because obviously that's not going to be helpful. But if he was that sick, how the fuck did he get so symptomatic that he he needed hospitalisation by Friday having only been diagnosed on Thursday or tested positive on Thursday? That's just not possible. You don't get that sick that quickly. It's also known that getting on the plane on the way to the debate, which was the Tuesday, Mm. yeah, they stopped the plane on the tarmac and one of his people, Hope, had to to get out Mm. because she had tested positive. And they pulled a few people off the plane, but he went ahead and some people went ahead. So the fact that we... And he was sweating like a pig. Yeah, so what we know is, for an absolute fact, is that he travelled on that plane to the debate knowing that people on the plane with him had been pulled off for COVID and he may have it. Mm. Now, it's quite likely that if he had it, he knew he had it and he had it long before that. Yeah. But so if he had it, and it's actually... And his doctor's not showing when he lasted in a Yeah, so like, what we know is if he had it, that's actually worse. Yeah. That's actually worse. But not surprising. I mean, the other thing is he's a 74-year-old fat bastard yeah. who eats burgers all the time. And look, despite the fact that he calls himself a superb specimen and young, by the way, and also, I, so many of them dropped with COVID. None of them seem to have got into trouble with it, which is just weird. You yeah. know, are they all getting magic bullets of, of whatever he got? And it's just on the nose. All of these conspiracy theories, I don't believe in because it take, all it takes is one or two nurses in there to go, by the way, he's bullshitting and it leaks out and he gets caught. And if he gets caught bullshitting, you know. Unlike every the, other time well, he's I mean, been no, caught No, but if he gets caught on something like that, that really does fuck it up. More does than it though? Well, does it? Point. Because that, that's like, for anything else, you'd go, no, it's too big a risk. Because if you got caught, you'd be ruined. Look at all the other things he's been caught on. Look at all of the other things that we think, oh no, you couldn't possibly. Even before he was elected in the first place, the things he came out and said, and it wasn't enough. So at this stage, he's a maniac who's gotten away with so much. Anybody who gets in his way is just fired. Out you go. Nothing is a big deal anymore. It's like it's it's like the fucking Twilight Zone. So I, there's no part of me that thinks that a conspiracy would be just too much to pull off. They don't care if they pull, they pull it off or not. And the f- thing is, his supporters don't really give a shit. There's nothing he can say or do that will put them off. You know, the way it's looking is that he's behind in points. The strategy for Biden's thing is to just, which was the case with Kamala as well, just sit back. Don't give any major sound bites unless you're damn sure that they're going to be worthwhile. Just don't fuck it up. You know, we're, we're leading. Don't fuck it up. Don't walk into any traps. In Trump's case, it's like, well, you have nothing to lose because you're losing anyway. So just go fucking mad. Like that, that, that is his strategy is to cause as much division as possible to just throw a bomb into the middle of things and see what happens. So it doesn't suit him to behave and keep things on an even keel. And then we'll see what happens if and when he loses. There's a fantastic uh, little five minute opening from uh, Chris Cuomo's primetime show last night. We might just play that. Literally. If this were a fight, this campaign, we are now in the last round. These three weeks, this is it. You're going to see both campaigns coming with everything they got. So what do we see? Biden is making sure he doesn't get put in a corner, right? He's moving around the ring. He's going to the places he needs to be. His hands are up at all times because he believes he's ahead on points. Trump, on the other hand, knows he needs a knockout. He is going for broke. Every punch is a haymaker. He's swinging wildly. Every line is an insult. Every rally is likely to get someone sick. And you will not hear him say, 
to put on masks, even though followers tell us they would do it if he asked. Like I said, he's going for broke. But here's Trump's problem. Here's his problem with the analogy. He's not fighting one opponent. He's fighting two. He's swinging at Biden, but he keeps getting hit by the pandemic. America went from first to worst in terms of cases and deaths. And leadership has to be a reason why. Florida and now Pennsylvania, two places that Trump needs. Pennsylvania tonight, Florida last night, going back to Florida. Why? They are crucial. He won them. Now they're up for grabs at best. The pandemic that he is saying is no big deal, that he actually caught and needed to get two experimental treatments in the hospital to beat, is not only not going away, it's in full effect in both of those states. So his rallies may have thousands cheering in his corner, but there are millions in those states who are feeling the beating from the virus and the failing economy as a consequence. Now, the irony is, if Trump actually took on the pandemic that is punching him in the face, he might win the election. We would surely be in better shape. Instead, he's running away from the opponent. He's pretending it's not even a real fight for us. That coronavirus will just magically leave the ring. He says he's going to give you a big fat kiss, but he's not doing anything to get you the medicine that made him healthy again. Why isn't it for everybody? Why isn't he all out on production of that? Why doesn't he have the wall mentality about getting us well? He thinks he's passed the test of leadership, but he's not getting us the testing we need at work, in schools, with our kids. It's a mess. We can't get back to business. We can't get our kids on the right track because we can't protect the right people the right way. But instead of throwing everything we got at the virus, he's throwing everything at the one man that you really trust when it comes to the pandemic. Fauci. He's actually, once again, he didn't learn his lesson, right? That's Trump. Double down on dumb. Attacking Tony Fauci again for his prognostications. The president literally told us it would disappear like a miracle. That we'll be down to zero cases in February. You said it affects no one, ignoring the millions of us who have died or lost someone or been sick. It affects no one. You and your wife got it. The White House is a cluster. You're still telling us it's not worth attacking with everything we got? Look at it in terms of the numbers. 68% believe in Fauci. And let's be honest, that number is low because Trump keeps giving them a beating. And so do his old emissaries over on state TV. The president's credibility has been like half that in the full polls. What he should do is carry a picture of Fauci with him. Show it to everybody. Because saying you're with Fauci is a way better way to get votes than the flailing at everyone that you're doing. Think of this. Think about it. This is the only time I can ever think of when the challenger in an election, Biden, right, is running in support of the policies that the president's own task force is proposing, and the president is running against his own people's recommendations. Think about how crazy that is. Lucky for us, Fauci says, let him say what he wants. I'm in for the long haul. I'm not going to walk away from this outbreak, no matter who's the president. Good. 
False promises of disappearing pandemics, magical economic rebounds, pretending you can only trust him when more of his people have been forced out or indicted than anybody, including Watergate, calling himself the greatest in the ring when he can't float or fly. He can just lie and deny. We are on the ropes in this fight thanks to pure trumpery. No, I'm not making fun of the president's name. That's his game. Trumpery is a real word from long before Trump. It means worthless nonsense, as in all flash, no cash, all show, no go. It derives from Old English trumpery, deceit, French trompeur, to deceive. This president's name could not be a better fit. He and his people like to play with mob references, right? Especially when it comes to me. Well, there's one that applies to him and his desperate, desperate last round of antics. When he says he wants to go out into that crowd and give everyone the kiss, remember the Godfather? He's giving you a kiss, all right. It's ibachi di tutti bachi, the kiss of all kisses, the kiss of death. You want to kiss people right after catching COVID? When not wearing masks in close quarters is making us sick? It's killing us? And his reaction? I want to kiss all of you as I dance the night away. Look at him, masquerading as if you don't need masks. Not once has he done a moment of silence for all of those who have been lost, all those families at any of his rallies. But soon enough, he's going to be done doing the talking. The fight is going to end and soon. And he will listen to your decision because ultimately you are the judge. Trompeur. Trompeur. Ah, Trompeur. Fantastic opening from Chris Cuomo on the state of play in the election, likening it to a pugilistic boxing fight. The odds, uh, my bet is looking pretty good. The odds uh, are certainly at the moment in Joe Biden's favour. But a lot to unpack in there. He's gone after Fauci. Master Jesus Christ. I mean... He included an ad uh, this week with Fauci (laughs) in it. As usual, choice editing has mangled Fauci's words to make it look like he's supporting the president. Fauci's come out and sort of declined or denied it. Yeah, well, he'd asked, he asked it to be taken off the air. He said, look, I I wasn't asked for that. And it's turned into a big thing. Trump is having a big strop over it now. And the most amazing thing Cuomo there, there outlined is we have a president who is running against a challenger in Joe Biden. And Joe Biden is running on the platform of following the president's own advisor's advice and Trump is doing the opposite. <laughs> it's just... <laughs> Everything's topsy-turvy. I've been, as you, some of you may know, been doing a little bit of a satirical campaign uh, around the idea of shithole country uh, based on uh, early Trump regime com- a comment by him uh, that people should go back from America to their shithole countries when the reality is America doesn't really have a leg to stand on when it comes to shithole countries, especially at the moment. I did get a piece of flack again from this from another American friend of mine, very upset, feeling that I'm spreading hate. Uh, you know, I would have hoped most people got the idea um, that it's a sort of a, a mirror-holding exercise to some of the, the, the stuff. And I checked the facts, and occasionally I put out stuff that wasn't true and was fake news and I had to take it down quickly. But most of the stuff that goes up there is fact-checked, and it is true. And... It is designed to get up Americans' noses. Yeah. I'm sure there are people who are intelligent and educated, but it's gone over their head that it's actually a quote from him. I'm sure there are those people. I do think, though, in the main, people are fully aware that the quote is coming from that, but they just don't like it up them. And I understand there are a lot of people who are 
disgusted with Trump. They don't like his politics. So I understand they don't like to be tired of that brush. But at the same time, tough. I notice some people, it, it tends to be more women than men that get their knickers in a twist when you do this. And I notice that some of those women who would be the first to get pissy, you know, you know when you talk about a sexual assault case and people go, and men go, not all men. And women yeah. would go, yeah, but this one and plenty, so sit the fuck down. You're not helping. You're you're part of the problem if, if your reaction is going to be, well, it's not applying to me. And some of the very women who would take that stance are getting real pissy with not all Americans. <laughs> Yeah, and it, not of, course, all Americans. of course it's not all Americans, but you know what, it's nearly 50% of them if this yeah. election is going to be so tight. And if this election is going to be as tight as it's looking like it's going to be, shame on you, Americans. And if it was our country, I'd be wearing it. Yeah, you yeah. Know? Not to take the piss and to, and to have a go, but I'm trying to find something because I know people who are particularly liberal and progressive wouldn't like this idea of every time somebody's talking about a sexual assault case that men go men like to kind of say sorry no that's really offensive to all men yeah we're not talking about you and it's funny how the line from from women is often like isn't it funny when we're talking about a woman's trauma the first thing you can think about is not empathy with her trauma it's that you're you're identifying with the aggressor and you're getting put out by it and i would take that logic and apply it to the shithole country thing go isn't it funny that when we just we start discussing the bad behavior of the leader that represents you instead of saying, yes, it is terrible. How can I help? Or yes, I agree, it's terrible. That you straight away identify and start getting defensive. That's quite telling. Well, I think I, I don't think it's quite that in this instance or some of the other instances. I think it's it's more like your point about they just don't like it up them. Well, no, and they're so polite. But it, no, but it is it is a thing that like you don't like it up, up your, and you'll say all the right things. But as soon as it's uncomfortable for you, you'll start attacking the people who are calling truth instead of saying, yeah, it is uncomfortable. So fucking fix it then. Yeah, I mean, these people claim that they're doing so much and they're telling all their friends to vote. But, you know, we do have this thing where Americans polite. This is no time for politeness. This yeah. is, And by the way, you know, if it was an American podcaster giving us shit, yeah, we'd probably be taking issue with that pod, an, an American getting involved in our business. But America's business is the world's business. Mm. This politician is a existential threat to peace in the world, to climate uh, change in the world, to violence, racism misogyny he just ticks all the boxes down the fucking list that are way out and above that, that is true that gives, i think that gives people from other countries permission yeah, all of that is true and it's, and it's being shoved in our faces all the time but also american for- foreign policy regardless of which side of the divide it's from i'm sorry everybody gets to say everybody gets to have an opinion because you've shoved your oar in all around the world so <laughs> that's that's the way it is and i would say when we had stuff on abortion referendums and we had lots of Americans shoving their nose in there and pumping all their money into the fact that they saw Ireland as this stronghold of Catholicism and therefore mm. conservatism. Oh, there was endless fucking money being pumped in. And we did say, mind your own fucking business. But if there were liberals and, and people who were talking about a women's right, women's right to choose, if, if they pa- passed comment on the fact that, that it's, it's disgraceful how women are being treated and that the Catholic Church still has a hold over it, I think they're t- speaking truth. They're saying the right thing. I wouldn't go, oh, but you're tearing all Irish people with the same brush. I'd go, yeah, I'm embarrassed about it. Thank you very much for your support. Mm. So if people really do believe that the way Donald Trump is behaving is, is atrocious and his politics are atrocious, you wouldn't be getting pissy with people around the world who are pointing it out. You go, exactly, I'm so embarrassed. Well, let's just uh, explore that a bit because there are some very interesting facts here. The first one is the women thing. Okay, so we have talked about this before in the podcast. So I've written about it. 
and I've kind of said any American, any American woman who considers herself a woman who reckons she, she can with clear conscience vote for Donald Trump should be ashamed of herself. Yeah, I get what you're saying and I really do on a, on a soul level, I get it. However, I would take issue with using that line continually because to be honest, there is an element of misogyny in that because you're expecting women, you're holding them to a higher moral standard because they're women. No, I'm not. But no, you are though, because I know if you, like a few times you've said that and it's been said, well, women and men, and I would say, correct, I hear what you're saying. I get why it's like, it's it's more incomprehensible for women, but you have to remember, no, no, no we don't hold them to higher. I, I have also said, I understand completely why lots of men will vote for a guy who grabs women by the pussy mm-hmm. and a guy who is completely sexist and a guy yeah. who is... And there's reasons why women will support that as right. well. But bottom line... It, it's so why like, would women support that? Because it's uh, essentially it's it's a toxic form of patriarchy and some women benefit from that. Right. That, so what we're saying here is I shouldn't say it because it's misogynistic. No, what I'm saying is... No, what I'm saying is there is an element of misogyny in your idea that it's more disgusting for a woman to vote for D- Donald Trump. Why is it less disgusting for men to v- vote for Donald Trump? I'm not saying it's less disgusting. Okay, but I'm that's saying what I'm saying is... it's completely understandable that there are lots of thick, redneck, misogynistic, yeah. let's go grab her by the pussy, let's talk about the fucking showers and the women and the gold. Yeah. No, I absolutely there get that. There are all it. those men out there. I absolutely get that it's particularly astonishing to think that women would vote for him. I do get that. But I think it's... I think I'd, I'd be careful with the wording. It's not like that you'd be afraid to offend anyone, but I'd say... If you put any higher moral judgment on women voting for him than you do men, then that is misogyny. But I would say, yes, it is particularly no, we'll astonishing. Disagree. We'll have to disagree on that. Well, no, if it's a higher mor- moral judgment, then it absolutely is misogyny. But I absolutely get that it's particularly astonishing and shocking that women would. But it is no more it is no more disgusting of, of, of them to do it than it is disgusting of men to do it. You'll we'll have to disagree on that. Well, you got to look at that. Well, let's move on. Catholics are voting for Trump in their hordes, okay? So white American Catholics, 52% of them right now, as of yesterday, are saying they're going to vote for Donald Trump versus 44% for Biden, who is a Catholic. Those numbers have come down from 59% to 52% in the last couple of months. So it is trending Biden's direction. 90% of black Protestants are going to vote for Biden. 70% of Jews are going to vote for him and 70% roughly of Hispanic Catholics so which, who's more Catholic, Hispanic Catholics in general, pigeonholing, or white Catholics? Who are, more, who are more dedicated to Catholicism, generally speaking, around the world, would you say? Well, I would say it depends on the definition of Catholicism. My opinion would be Hispanic Catholics would probably be more Catholic in terms of their actual faith and spirituality and prayer. And I would say white Catholics would be more almost sectarian. That's what That's their... Uh, political belief system is intertwined with it and they're more conservative. Massive generalisation, but I do honestly think there's more Hispanic Catholics that that they're praying every night. So 78% of evangelical Protestants are going to vote for Donald Trump. So if I said to you, for example, anyone who is a Catholic in America who can see it in their hearts and moral compass to vote for Donald Trump, should be ashamed of themselves. Am I now a bigot and a misogynist? No, because I, what I'm saying is, I have, I have, I have no respect for Catholicism. <laughs> so, it's not, no, but, it's, no, but know, it is, because what I'm... I have no respect for women who vote for Donald Trump. Okay, but it's misogynist. It, it is misogyny. And I have no respect say, for any Catholic. No, but to, to say, woman, to hold hey, women to a higher standard. I'm holding Catholics to a higher standard. Yeah, but that's, I would never hold Catholics to a higher standard. Well, I think Catholicism is appalling. But that's what they preach. Yes, but they preach a lot of stuff that's disgusting. But women preach feminism and women preach so, but, sisterhood but, but, and all this. Good, so, no, no, no. 
good men are also supposed to say it's wrong to assault women. So yeah, men I'm, don't. I'm get, a good man exactly. saying I don't believe women should be voting for Donald Trump, but, and you're defending their right. No, to. What I'm, no, I'm not defending their right to. What I'm saying is, it is deeply, uh, it is deeply misogynistic to hold men to a higher standard on that practice. I think both men I'm and men women to a lower standard on that practice. I'm saying I understand no, but, the swilling men will vote. Yeah, for I understand it, but it's no less disgusting. Yeah. So it's okay for me to slag the Catholics, but not the women. No, what I'm saying is, it is just as disgusting and it is misogynistic to continually point out, I understand that it's more astonishing for women to vote for, it's it's more like, really, how could you? But at the same time, they are no worse and they should be no more ashamed of themselves than any man who votes for the same reason. Hmm. So we have a man, we have a man who's clearly not God-fearing, though he pretends to and holds Bibles upside down and talks about that he prefers the Old Testament just as much as the New Testament. He's clearly uh, a fucker, okay? He's clearly got the morals of an Alsatian. He's clearly dabbles in marriage and fidelity, divorce, sexual assault, all the like things. Like a deeply unchristian man. Deeply unchristian man. We have Joe Biden, who they, they've tried to come up with some creepy uncle shit about him, okay? And even if he was a creepy uncle, Donald Trump's crimes and misdemeanors are vast in comparison. And this goes back to us in Ireland, the hypocrisy of the Catholic Church. Because, of course, we know why. There's an abortion play here. There's an anti-gay marriage thing at play here. They will stand in front of their God at Sunday Mass and sing Donald Trump's praises. Yeah, there's a great parallel to be drawn because not every Donald Trump voter is a racist but everybody who votes for Donald Trump has decided that racism wasn't a big enough deal. Mm. Not every Trump voter is a sexual assailant, but every Trump voter decided that grabber by the pussy wasn't a big enough deal. Yeah. So I have no respect for you. And I would say not every Catholic is cruel and just th- thinks they can run everybody else's life or agrees with paedophilia, but every practicing Catholic decided it wasn't a big enough deal for them. And I will say that this, since I've been back in Ireland, and I will say it about my own family, and I will say it about a lot of my mid upper middle class friends who all go to Mass every Sunday and believe in God, I hardly say they do. They would walk over a homeless man in the street. They have this Mayfane selfish thing of circling the wagons around my family and around God and around all this bullshit, inculcating their children in faith from a very early age, And getting to a point where they're able to make excuses, as you said, for all of these horrible things that are are indigenous to to religion. And would probably be voting for Donald Trump in an Irish election or Peter Casey, his his kind of... I I think it's conservatism, but not conservatism in the the political sense that we think of it, although it includes that. I think it comes down to, like, if you think of the actual word is to conserve what you have. And when... The whole Catholic going to a nice Catholic school, having all those things and all the culture that surrounds you and it's been really comfortable and you're quite, you've had great advantages in life. Why wouldn't you conserve what you have unless you have great integrity and you go because that is not okay. When you've had all of these special advantages in life, you've had the best education, you're in comfortable or wealthy circles and part of that is taking it is that you have to toe the line you take part in the culture you may not really believe in it all that much but it's part of your people where you're from and all the advantages that come with that that's what being conservative is about conservative is not anti-abortion or this that being conservative is i want to conserve what i have because i have it good and i would say you know my business the ad business has been guilty by its silence I was uh, in America when Obama was running for president first. The entire ad industry came out with campaigns. First black president, amazing. They've been totally kind of silent about this. 
in the same way that my Catholic Irish friends in America and probably over here are, because the basic level of what Trump is about is giving you more money than the little guy. And he uses this socialism platform. We're not going to become socialist as if Joe Biden is fucking the incarnate of, of Marx or Lenin, right? And we're all yeah, going to be in like Gula. Socialism has become, I mean, sometimes it's communism, but even socialism has become as dangerous and as scary a word as communism, which I find interesting because the most far left-leaning politician in the US is a far fucking stretch till they could earn the title of socialist. Mm. There is there is no socialism in America. Biden is not a socialist. Bernie Sanders wouldn't even quite qualify as a socialist. Yeah. You know, he's centre-left at best in civilised countries. And I will say civilised, based on we actually think that people deserve a basic education and a home and healthcare. How much your family earns shouldn't decide whether a child gets to see a doctor. And what I would say is, I have no time for the good book and I think it's full of shit. But you know when people set aside all the harm that's been done by the Catholic Church and other churches, when they when, when you criticise all of the hideous things about organised religion and people go, yeah, okay, but the Christian thing, you know, what Jesus Christ yeah. was really about, sounds a bit fucking socialist to me. Like, if we're to believe the lovely Jesus that they peddle, chap's a socialist. Well, if there is a Jesus and there is a God, I would I would very much hope, and if his teachings were as recorded that the first people up against the wall are Catholics and Christians because the hypocrisy that they, they tout is just astonishing. It does have to come back to this, though. It has to come back, in my view, and we've talked about it before, to the media. I've talked over the summer about trying my best, and I still do, to listen to Sean Hannity. Listen to what the enemy are saying. And it is the media, I think, that are dividing America. There was a great article in today's I Irish read that, Times. actually, yeah. And just a quote from it is, and this is, he's talking about people like Hannity and Limbaugh and people like that. And he says, deft and skillful exponents of the bloviating art. No Trumpian offence cannot be explained away. No egregious lie cannot be spun into a kind of truth. To them, he contracted COVID-19 as a consequence of his bravery, getting out there to try to win the election for the American people. And his handling of the entire crisis has been exemplary. Those presidential soliloquies that go viral on social media as fresh evidence of his mania, they play and replay them as examples of his Churchillian speechifying. Theirs is a bizarre world where up is down, in is out, black is white, and Trump is never on. They do not just support him as they did, say, George W. Bush. They deify him. And there is the problem. We have a media. Now, you do go on CNN and you do go on MSNBC and you hear the you hear the alternative view, but the alternative view is kind of sane. Yeah. Well, the alternative view is literally a gentler view that matches what the rest of the world think. And I know it's, it's very partisan, but like CNN say this and it's all fake news. You've got to go, have you, have you tuned into what the whole rest of the world is saying? Because CNN are being real civilised about how they're putting it. <laughs> The reason I was listening to Hannity was at the at the start of the of the year, given it was the election year, I wanted to understand maybe we're just swallowing all the left wing propaganda. And maybe Trump and by his own words, he says he's doing great things and I can't really see them. And he's got great policies. He's got a whole new replacement of Obamacare that's been coming for three years and we still haven't seen it yet. Other than that, he wants it cancelled. So I listened because I thought, maybe I'm wrong here. Maybe I'm getting the wrong end of the I don't really care about Democrat or Republican. I want a guy in charge who's sane, who's intelligent, okay? Who's, who's got a brain in his head and has got wise, makes wise choices and is not... 
a loose cannon. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not going to be disingenuous and say I don't care about Democrat and Republican. I absolutely do. I, and I, there are issues the Democrat party, but like I, I absolutely would be very much in favour of the Democrats. Well, what I mean is I leave But at, the, at this point, that is, we're so far past the point of worrying about whether it's Democrat or Republican and just going, could we possibly have somebody vaguely sane with some semblance of decorum and behaving like an adult that would that would be just high gold at this stage mm. behaving like an adult and, and hopefully behaving like a president anyway uh it is trundling along uh, the other thing that happened of course was we had the uh, vice presidential debate of our tamered uh, affair mike pence versus kamala harris your thoughts on that yeah um so i think everyone was expecting her to kind of come out swinging but they're like she's a bit subdued i think she did a fantastic job bearing in mind they were ahead in points and you know, you've got Pamela Harris, who is a woman and a woman of colour, and then you've got a white man. Now, like it or not, there is unconscious bias. When a woman says something in an assertive manner, it comes across much more heartbeat to a lot of people, including women. You're wide open to that in a way that men just aren't. I think there's an element of even the decibel of voices sometimes. And then on top of that, being a woman of colour, there's the angry black woman thing. So she has to be so much more fucking polite and collected because and she's still going to be a monster. One of the things she chose she chose to not do sound bites, but she did choose a sound bite with "I'm speaking," mm-hmm. and I think that was really a wise choice because there are so many women, maybe Republican leaning, may not be thrilled with how Donald Trump has behaved, may kind of go, oh, "I don't really know about policy. Like it's it's all a mess, really, isn't it?" And the husband might have his views and might be still voting Trump, but there are so many women at home in their kitchens go <laughs> that heard, "I'm speaking." and went fucking there it is because they've heard that their entire lives they've, they've been spoken over their entire lives so i think that was a really wise soundbite mike pence was incredibly incredibly fucking sickly condescending towards her and that really helped because the one thing she was choosing was because he's, he's losing women and for all of these women in middle america to hear him being a condescending little prick to her butter wouldn't melt like ridiculously patronizing and there's something robotic about him. There's something like I, I imagine, like him, I could imagine him short circuiting. Yeah, we were chatting and saying, you know, people say he's a great debater, and like, what's that about? I can't really see it. I realised, and and a few different commentators have, have pointed this out that so his great debating skill is just that he's insipid and robotic, and he just fucking drivels and drones on. So it's it's really convenient for avoiding questions. I mean, during that debate, he was so arrogant that when he was asked questions, and I mean, she dodged questions as well, it happens, but not to the extent that he did. And so his tactic was to just waffle, waffle, waffle. And he takes so fucking long to get to the point, And it's so insipid and flaccid that he gets to dodge and he gets, and that that's his thing. But the problem is, it was not helpful for women to be looking at him being so fucking condescending and just pushing his way about. And also it was so flaccid and insipid that it possibly wasn't strong enough for men. So I don't think his strategy worked. Hmm. As I call it, the pretty fly for a white guy moment as well. How does a fly spend so long on someone's head? They are attracted to bullshit. (laughs) Anyway, it was a scoreless draw, I'd say. Um, But, you know, the key thing there, I think, was for Harris to just show her vice presidential chops, as they call it, say, in the art business. Um, I think she did that pretty pretty well. That was, she had a particular task. Bearing in mind, uh, we were watching last night some of the proceedings for Amy Coney Barrett. 
were watching Kamala's bit. Now, Kamala's was just a, basically a speech a few times she put her on the spot, but it was a, which they all do, to be fair. Mm. But so she had 30 minutes, and that was great. So she had 30 minutes of getting to do her speeches her before an election. That was her time to be uninterrupted and to make the points she was making. And she made, she came out talking about um, the Affordable, Affordable Care, Care Act yeah. and what that means. And that's really important. Like, that's an election piece. Mm. And how much Roe versus Wade is, is in danger. And I know, um, Amy Klobuchar did, she did more kind of questioning and putting um, Amy Coney Barrett on the spot. I mean, some of the things she asked her were, is there any circumstance where it's permissible for a president to delay a general election? And it's not. Like, that, that, that's not. And the question was dodged and, oh, I can't answer that because that could be a future thing. Yes, you can answer that. You can say, well, I can't speak to any specific case. But yes, there is a federal law. No, it would not be constitutional. I mean, you can answer that. She was asked about the peaceful transfer of power should Donald Trump lose. Wouldn't comment on that. She was put on the spot in terms of having not disclosed a lot of her abortion views. And she said, well, I don't have to... But she's like hiding behind the Ruth Bader Ginsburg line that I'm not going to commit to future judgments. Mm. But when Ruth Bader Ginsburg did that, she did come out and say, these are my views. Mm. Whereas in this case, of all the stuff she's disclosed, and I get that you can't disclose everything you've ever signed and done, but it's amazing how... She managed to dodge all of the things, for instance, signing petitions and letters from organisations that actually have called for IVF to be, that it is manslaughter and that people should be charged as such. Mm. It's it's interesting that that's being put forward. It's good that it's being put forward to the point that we you've often brought up. There's an awful lot of people who are anti-abortion, who are pro-life, until you start talking about the fact that they have IVF to have their kids. Mm. And an interesting side note, Donald Trump, that magical drug he had came from the cells from an abortion. So that's interesting. Yes, and I mean, it's a foregone conclusion by the looks of things that she's going to get appointed, which is disturbing. Yeah. Um, and again, we go back to the Catholic Christian hard right, who are clearly, I mean, any Catholics listening, be feel free to write to me about why you're voting for Donald Trump. He's racist. He's divisive. He's pushing the country towards civil war. He's a misogynist who doesn't believe in women's rights, clearly. And he's trying to get you guys, the white Christian, Christian majority, to vote for him to the detriment of your fellow citizens of different races, colours, genders and religions. Now, I would add to that question. If somebody was listening and was Catholic and was saying, look, I'm not a huge fan of Donald Trump, but bottom line, I my faith is extremely important to me and I believe in, in my heart of hearts that we have to save the unborn children. We have to save lives and deeply pro-life. And whatever it takes to do that is, I don't like a lot of his policies, but whatever it takes to save life, because that is what's in my heart. I have to be able to go to heaven and go to God and say, I saved the children. And I would ask, so are you okay with healthcare not being available to all the living children and adults because people are going to die because of him? Mm, exactly, exactly. It's just... I thought we had a monopoly on hypocrisy, as I said, in Ireland, but uh, clearly we do not. Anyway, the, the election continues. We will be back with another uh, view of other things that are happening. In Ireland itself, we have just had a budget that is uh, COVID-related and is a, uh, the government are about to spend €40 billion, Euros, which is eight times the biggest ever budget. So they're getting fairly serious getting the free money. Did you have any comments on that? Yeah, it was like... Right, I mean, I don't want to jump on and go, oh, it was a disgrace, which is what everybody does all the time. I will say, 
it was a whore of a task. I would not like to be tasked with having to do the budget or anything, to be honest, in government at the moment. So I, like, I, I will start with, to be fair, ain't no way that they could have done a budget that we got, we'd go, oh, isn't that great? Yeah. Wonderful, wonderful. However, I do think it was shitty. It was insipid. There was a huge focus on stopping people falling into poverty, but to fuck with anybody who's already in poverty. Mm-hmm. which is not a huge surprise but it's course, yeah. it's not a huge surprise but it's there and it's it, you know the glaring inequality and the effect that has on society it's kind of it's an interesting one because i also found it very disingenuous and that always pisses me off uh, a clear tendency of finnegale in particular would be that they fuck around with the numbers and they're they're great on spin so when they start putting forward numbers of how many housing units are going to be built and also how many hospital beds and how many ICU beds they put forward figures that include that are for a three-year period including periods already how you could rephrase that is they've not added any because of the pandemic but they've managed to massage it to sound different and that pisses me off I mean we're getting we're, we're, we're covering this topic because a lot of people overseas are looking to other countries and what they're doing the, the essence is that money is available now at minus 0.25%, I think, um, which means banks are paying you to loan from them at the moment. And there's an economic school of thought here that we should take and buy as much money as possible, not only to protect the, the, our slightly feeble, to be honest, health service, as Don said, in terms of its ICU capability, but also to use the opportunity to fix major infrastructural issues that we have, not just in hospitals, but schools, roads, climate change, all of those things, uh, on the basis that it is an emergency. We have basically good fundamentals and we're just basically borrowing against the future to ensure that we have a solid future. Time will tell whether that has been a good move. Yeah. Anyway, we have uh, another of these podcasts to look forward to. Um, Please share this one if you liked it. And the intention is to try and get as many American, I guess, as many Americans out to vote. Yep. Uh, If you're voting Republican, go out and vote as well. But, you know, it's it's just trying to hold a mirror up to uh, a situation from this side of the... Atlantic. I, I think some is. on the voting thing, I have to say, like from this side of the Atlantic, to be watching the US kind of pride themselves on being a strong democracy. And, you know, they are so good about bringing democracy to other countries, especially when those countries have oil. Anyway, we're sitting back watching. We're watching the massive queues of people trying to vote. We're watching all of the mm. whatever you'd say spin from CNN, spin from Fox, whatever, wherever you land, sit back and watch your democracy is being fucked with. I'd be very worried about that. There's a contingency of strong progressives that are saying, oh, I won't vote for Biden. Even It's not a protest vote. I won't for, I'm voting for this. I find that deeply idealistic and also somewhat individualistic. The, the, the explanation, the best explanation I've heard when I've tried to understand this concept, because to me, I'm going, look, if I had to leave my kids with somebody and I've got a choice of Joan Crawford or Gary Glitter, I don't really want her minding my kids for an hour, but who am I leaving my kids with? Her. <laughs> not the paedophile and even if you think Biden is awful okay but like which which yeah. level of awful do you want and the only explanation I've had is that some people just think that the whole system is so rotten that it, the whole country needs to fall apart so they can rebuild it and I'm going you're well on your way because we're sitting back and watching the voter suppression the talk of votes not being counted of voter fraud like sit back and watch your democracy is crumbling fast 
And yet they're anticipating it'll be the highest turnout since the early 60s. They're, they're, it, it definitely, because the country is so divided, uh, people are roused to vote more than they usually would, especially uh, minorities, hmm. you know. So let's I think that's that a good thing. Carry. I think that I think whatever happens for the next four years, yeah, that's one thing. You know, when you've lived in a country that, and, and I think America's had a lot of problems, when you've always lived in a country that's a democracy and you've always felt safe that what happens in shithole countries doesn't happen in countries like yours, I think you can feel somewhat immune. And as, as somebody... Like Donald Trump, he's immune. Yeah, but as somebody from here, like Roe versus Wade being an example, when that's being discussed and one of the Democrat senators from Michigan came out yesterday and he shared his story, it was actually from the late 80s, of his then-wife had had she'd lost a baby at 20 weeks the baby wouldn't survive but there was still a heartbeat and because it was a hospital that had an anti-abortion policy they wouldn't do the miscarriage and it came to the point where she could have gone she could have had sepsis she could have lost the uterus and they told her get to a different hospital and luckily they were in a position to do so so he's come out and given that story and i find that bizarre because we were we were we were sharing those stories two years ago and i think a lot of people in the u.s understand that the place is kind of falling apart and it's all a bit scary, but I don't think they realise how scary it is because they haven't been there and they've always had the privilege of living in a country that's a democracy and that everything is strong. And I think they really need to understand how much worse it could get and how the whole democracy could fall apart. I think they really need to be scared and they need to get out and vote. As I said earlier in the podcast before we go, I think the media issue is massively prevalent here, Rupert Murdoch versus the rest. That applies to Facebook and social media. We need, as a planet and a species, to arrive at some way of doing some honest police work or honest probity on our media coverage and shutting down propaganda. I mean, as I said, Joseph Goebbels, Hitler's propagandist, would be blushing at the audacity of some of the stuff that's going on here. Yeah. We'll see you next time and we leave you with a big kiss from Donald Trump. Bye. Bye. One thing with me, the nice part. I went through it. Now they say I'm immune. I can feel, I feel so powerful. I'll walk into that audience. I'll walk in there. I'll kiss everyone in that audience. I'll kiss the guys and the beautiful women and them. Everybody, I'll just give you a big fat kiss. It's a big, I'm sick of it. What do you-